Hello and welcome. Wait, no, it's not spooky. Is it spooky? Should we be spooky, Cal? There's always room for spooky, Cal. (laughs) Yes, he is my third favourite of the Cals. Now I must know the other two so I may kill them in an ironic way. (laughs) Uh, There's Mexican Cal. He will be eating he's food that's too hot, and he'll die. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lot of fun, that one. <laughs> Tries to eat spicy food. <laughs> and he does that. <laughs> I, I can never tell if this is an introduction or if this is a... Um, I, I can't remember if we've finished all the Advent Calendar episodes. <laughs> Um, they haven't been revealed chronologically yet, Cal. Okay. Remember, we're recording episodes out of sync. Yes. Just like our Lord and Saviour, George Lucas. Because <laughs> no story is good if it's told in the right order. Correct. Um, so spoilers uh, for people who are <laughs> viewing this chronologically. There may or may not be <laughs> advent calendar episodes. Uh, welcome to, um, Bud's Trade Myths. Ah, or nice. Bring the Myth, or <laughs> Big something, Time Miss Myths. Something that fits the the BTM format that we've got, um, mm. which I can only assume officially stands for a bag that mixes, and <laughs> where we just talk uh, about random topics. That's a good one, bag that mixes. It's that's a mixed bag. Um... <laughs> Ah, so this week we're talking about some myth, mythologicals, myth, myth, mythos, mythos, and stories, creatures that aren't real. And we've taken a slightly different approach than usual, and by that I mean Bob has, and I have not. I have just done the usual bring three things. Yes, but it's going to be fine. It's definitely not Cal's fault. <laughs> it's absolutely Cal's <laughs> fault. That's... I'm gonna blame no, um, no. Sleepy it's... Cal. It's my least favorite Cal. <laughs> Behind unsanitary Cal. Oh, unsanitary um... Cal is the worst. <laughs> no, it's my fault for not reminding you what the exact minutia of the plan was oh, but... prior to getting you ready. It's also it's also bad friend Cal's fault for just not like keeping in touch as much as I should. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Alright, without further ados and a don'ts, um let's get into it, Cal. What's your first one? Okay. Is it a lesson? <laughs> it is not a lesson. Fuck. <laughs> Which I can only assume is something Celtic. That sounds relatively Um, um I don't know. Well that'll be a lesson for another time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that would have been a good one because I I was like maybe maybe this is some kind of butt for or or a, or a, or a henway or an updog henway yeah oh I get it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not gonna fall for it on air ladies and gentlemen yeah he's you're better not than me. that <laughs> um, but what what I have brought to the table is that the... two kilos by the way God damn it. 
Anyway, go. <laughs> I have brought the infamously spooky, the 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 elongated boy uh, with 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 the sharp talons itself, the the embodiment of of starvation and and hunger and the the perils of of the North American winter. The wind. Oh, um, oh, win. Windago. Yes. Winnebago. Winnebago. <laughs> yes, correct. The Winnebago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so it's 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 the Wendigo, um, a a uh, a creature uh, indigenous to the Great Lakes area of southeastern Canada and northeastern USA. Hang on, did you say indigenous? Well, <laughs> I mean, if it lived there, it would yes, it would be, but it's not yeah, real. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> Um, yeah, none of these creatures are, are, are technically real. Uh, ex- actually, if there's ever going to be one that kind of is, it's the Wendigo. Um, so, in its traditional um, form, it's basically what happens to a person who chooses uh, like the selfish option at a point of great spiritual... Uh, testing uh, of spiritual turmoil um, and is sort of more specifically linked to um, people who sort of uh, abandon their tribe in order to survive in winter. People who go off on their own to try and like, yeah, to to survive instead of helping out the group. Oh, so it's not about cannibalism. It is about cannibalism. <laughs> So like uh yeah so the the more monstrous version is where people are resorting to keeping themselves alive instead of protecting the people around them so they they eat the people around them ouch yeah <laughs> um and so they're usually depicted as yeah stretched out um almost skeletal like big boys who um, like some stories tell them as um, as like they grow proportionately to their meal so they never they, they always feel hungry they always need more food um, yeah yeah and uh, yeah so in in the stories of these um, of these Native American tribes um, they talk about the Wendigo, as like hunting the 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 group of the the tribe as it moves through the forest um where it, it'll pick off stragglers it'll um it, it teaches young people not to leave the group and and to and just stay with the tribe and keep helping the tribe but it has sort of become well i don't know hmm. I worry about making any particular comments about the timeline, but yeah, it's 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 sort of more well known as a as an as a cautionary tale of what can happen to yeah a person who um, yeah who who lets their own self interest take over and and resort to cannibalism. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, uh, sorry, no, I can't carry on, carry on. So I'll save was, my fun facts for the end. Cool. Yeah. Because I'm sure this is something that's appeared in Supernatural and other things that Bob follows. 
What? No, that's <laughs> definitely not where I was going. <laughs> Carry on. So it was introduced to uh, to the West uh, during like uh, fur trading, as that became a bigger and bigger thing in North America. Um, they'd they'd hear about these like groups of um, these groups of Wendigo who had like who would basically live amongst tribes of people uh, and and just pick them off like and blame it on various things that could have killed those people so like, they'd be cannibals sort of living amongst um, yeah these tribes of people and so oh, like cuckoos kind of <laughs> yeah but not really yeah well so that's they sort of had different. yeah well that, that's an interesting way of looking at it actually like them sort of infiltrating and, and being their own separate thing within the greater whole um yeah it's an interesting take um but so basically white people came over and went oh that sounds a lot like the werewolf a, a another big scary clawed creature that is a cautionary tale about winter <laughs> and 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 sin taking over your it body is. and corrupting you I mean, like, that's sort of like, yeah, you, like, you go off on your own, you get picked off by the wolves sort of thing. Okay. As far as I'm aware, anyway, I haven't done any research into the werewolf because <laughs> I'm talking about the Wendigo. Uh, but so because of that similarity, um, in the West, it was depicted as furry and, and like, big and scary, more like a werewolf. So when it appeared in Marvel Comics, Hulks versus the Wendigo... <laughs> It was it was a Native American man cursed with supernatural hunger, and he was big and hairy and the size of Hulk. Um, and it was also the first appearance of Wolverine as a character. Huh. But he's not the Wendigo. He, he's not the Wendigo. He he. I think he ends up actually defeating the Wendigo instead of Hulk. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. I haven't read it. <laughs> There's also a real-life um, mental disorder called Wendigo psychosis, um, referring to an overwhelming urge to eat people. Um, oh. Which is spookily enough not at all linked to starvation. It's like, this isn't people who have resorted to cannibalism going a bit mad at like the horrible thing that they've done. This is like crazy people like normal people in society going mad and eating other people and living normally oh. amongst other people while they're doing it oh no I, I can't remember there was a story of a native american man who i can't remember his actual name now because i didn't write it down but yeah he was like just a normal dude a little bit quiet um yeah hard worker around the town people liked him um and yeah the I can't remember exactly what he was accused of. Some minor crime. Cops come around to his house and his entire, like, his entire house is filled with skeletons um, just picked clean and, and with, like, the marrow sucked out of the bones and stuff, like... Oh, and he confesses to killing his whole family and eating them. Fuck. Yeah. So it's, like, it's oh, kind nasty. of a... It's kind of a real thing in, in the sense that, like, it's... It's cannibalism induced by madness that people have monsterified. 
people have sort of done the opposite of anthropomorphizing it. They've made it a separate thing. They've dehumanized it. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's the spooky Wendigo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, fun fact, mm-hmm. the Wendigo appears in the first episode of Supernatural, the one after the pilot. Oh, okay. And they kill it with a flare gun, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all I know. It's uh, it's also an SCP. I can't remember. It's something. It's is it? 300 and it is. something. It's what's the Wendigo skull that turns you into a Wendigo if you put the skull on and like compels uh, you to try and put the skull on. That's different. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't it's, like that as much. Well, and it like it makes everyone around it feel cold, and yeah, like yeah, like it's it's sort of yeah, it's this psychic winter sort of thrust upon you when you see it, and yeah, it's it's weird. Um, yeah, it's it's not as cool, I think, as the version in Fallout, where it's it's people stuck somewhere after the bomb who ultimately resort to cannibalism and are exposed to a ridiculous amount of radiation. Um, yeah. So they, they end up as Wendigos if they choose the selfish path. If they choose cannibalism. Yeah. There you go. Don't choose cannibalism and you'll keep a nice figure. <laughs> Apparently they're also the main bad guys in um, Until Dawn. Which is apparently a very good game that I haven't actually played. Um, uh, the name rings a bell, but it's like I've a, known nothing else. It's a Cabin in the Woods style PlayStation exclusive horror game that came out. Oh, is that the, oh, is that the one with all the celebrities in it? Might be. All the actual actors, like it's got um, um, that guy from The Thing on the telly. Great. You know the one. Perfect description. Um, and... Um, shit. It's not the William Defoe and Alan Page one. That's a different one. Yeah, that's um, Beyond Two Souls, I think. Yeah. Came out about that same time. I, Rami I Malek. It's, it's got Rami Malek in it. Oh, okay. Pretty sure. Yeah. This, uh, I think, yeah, they both dropped around the same time at, like, the beginning of the PlayStation 4 mm. generation. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those, look how realistic we could make human faces look now mm. and now it <laughs> you watch it now and it's a bit uh it's a bit outdated as all graphics are mm-hmm. 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 so you have a tale for us Bob. A I story. do i shall tell the first part of my tale so Ooh. gather around and light your bloody your fire if it's not hot and a fire total fire band day <laughs> Otherwise, maybe just sit around you the aircon. <laughs> going to be going through the tale of the children of Lear. And forewarning, I can't pronounce any of these names. Going to do me best. We'll sub them out for easily digestible names instead. Cool. Love it. Because uh, this is an Irish folk tale legend thing. Okay. All right. So our story begins way back when... Um, when Bob Bob Durr is elected king of the of the land, <laughs> which pits, pits, which pisses off Lur, um, who felt he should have been crowned king, and right. so he's like, "I ain't bending the knee to you, King Bobbed," uh, which causes much concern and the gnashing of teeth amongst <laughs> the uh, 
nobles and those that did elect Bob. But old Bob, he's a good king, manages to settle things down just a little bit anyway. Right. After some time, Ler's wife passes away, and oh. Bob sees an opportunity to shore things up politically. So he uh, sends one of his daughters to marry Ler, which he accepts, and they marry, and they're very happy, and they have four four children. A girl called Fiona, who I will now refer to as Fiona. Cool. And three sons, Aud and <laughs> twins, Fiatra and Con, the fruiterer. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the children are a joy to both Bob and Ler. They're very happy. But sadly, after the birth of the twins, um, the, the wife dies. It's very sad. Oh. Um, so Bob sends his other daughter, Aufi, uh, to marry Ler. Which he accepts and they marry. Uh, and they live together and they're sort of happy. But after a while, Aofi uh, becomes jealous of all the love and the attention that Bob and Ler give the children. Mm. And her, her jealousy turns to anger. Her anger turns to rage. Her rage turns to her not even being able to stand the side of the kids. Um, so in an attempt to get their attention, she chucks a massive tantrum and pretends to be sick for a whole year. Doesn't get out of bed. For an entire year. Lo and behold, that doesn't work. Doesn't get the attention back. So one day she's like, right, I've had enough. I'm going to put my Wicked Witch of the Bloody West hat on. And I'm going to get those little pretties. So she gathers up the children <laughs> one morning and says, we're going off to see your grandfather, Bobbed. And they're all like, hooray, yay. And they, she rushes them into the chariots um, before Lur catches on or knows what's going on. Now, the oldest, Fiona, is a little suspicious because mm. the previous night she had a dream that something bad was going to happen, but she goes along anyway. Now, halfway to Bob, Bob's, uh, she stops <laughs> the convoy, hops out, leaves the children in the carriage, goes out of earshot, gathers the men around, and demands that they kill the children. Oof. And they're all appalled, horrified. They're like, whoa, no, that's, that's disgusting, that's awful, you can't. No way, we love the children, everyone loves the children. What the hell is wrong with you, lady? Mm. She's like, right, fine, if you won't do it, I'll do it myself. Grabs one of their swords and charges off to the chariot, but she can't do it. She just can't bring herself to kill the children. Mm. So she hops in the chariot and, you know, pretends like everything's good with the kids and is just faking nice to them, and they're none the wiser because they couldn't hear what was going on and didn't see what was going on. Jeez. Then after a while, they stop at a lake, and she asks the kids if they want to go for a swim. And the boys are all like, boom, straight in, jump in, swimming around, having fun. But Fiona's not not a bit sure. She's like, oh, something's not right here. She's like, no, get in the fucking lake. <laughs> and she hops in the lake. And once they're all in the lake playing and having fun, Aofi pulls out a wand and places a spell on the children, turning them all into white swans. The swans, okay. freaking out, all swim to the shore, and with the voices of the children of Lear, they plead to her, like, turn us back, turn us back, what have you done? Oh, this is awful, they're going to bloody murder the shit out of you for this. Oh. So, so the, like, uh, the swans speak with human voices? Yes, with the voices uh, of the children, uh, their original voices. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, eventually, Ophie breaks down and regrets what she's done. Um, she tells the kids that She's not very good at magic and that she made a spell that's really tough to break and she can't break it. But what she can do is just, she can just ease it. Um, so the 
she makes it so they won't be swans forever, but they will be swans for 900 years. Jeez. Where they will spend the first 300 in the area they currently are, yeah. and they'll spend the next 300 on the Sea of Moyle, then the last 300 they'll have to spend in the region up by the Atlantic Ocean. But they will retain their voices and minds, but they will be swans until the 900 years is up. Okay. That part one of our retelling Jeez. of the Children of Lear. Uh, I mean, okay, so that's <laughs> at, at the risk of I don't want to like start too much discussion before we hear the end of it, but um, it's interesting how like like that it pretty accurately describes like sort of how um how like depression can push you to do crazy things. And that, like, you know, she stayed in bed for a year. And it's like, that's probably because she didn't want to get out of bed and do anything. And then when she finally did, it was, like, resorting to doing horrible things to people that she cared about. Like, it's, yeah, there's ugh, there's a lot of, like, misunderstood um, psychological stuff going on in that story, I think. Um, mm, but also, she ain't nice. Mm. Not nice. Oh, yeah. No, and, yeah, it's... um. We'll see how the story concludes before I uh, before we dig too deep into that. In the mm, meantime, exactly. um, I've brought along another rivery boy, a a, a turtley shelled uh, cucumber loving beaky boy from Japan called the Kappa. <laughs> Who I, I'm not sure if Bob As knows in much about the Warwick Kappa. No. <laughs> No, so this is a um, this is uh, the the term is yokai, which is just that kind of spirit, um, but yeah, so like there's sort of physical monstery like Pokemon style yokai, and then there's like ghost spirity, um, yeah, yokai watch style yokai, uh, <laughs> and so the the cap is more of a physical boy, and uh, and so it's it's sort of like. They describe it as about the size of a of a child, so you know, three to five feet tall. Um, usually, like harmless trickster spirits who spend their time picking up women's dresses and playing harmless pranks. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're like cooperative with humans. They like irrigate farmland and bless harvests and things like that. Um, and they they challenge people to wrestling matches in the water for fun. <laughs> um, but they are known to be somewhat violent, um, dragging children and animals into the water and, and killing them, and sometimes uh, going so far as uh, raping women and uh, having grotesque hybrid babies with them. Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, a lot of the time... Like it's it's a sort of like tradition to throw cucumbers into rivers because apparently they love cucumbers, so that keeps them happy and stops them from stealing your children and your livestock and and yeah, makes them more likely to to bless your harvest and help with irrigation and and be good boys. Um. Yeah. So I uh, as far as I can tell, it's meant to be a sort of cautionary tale to children. It's meant to be like, don't go too near to the riverbank; you'll get swept away. Um, you know, but instead of trying to explain to them the physics of all that, it's just, there's a monster that lives in there that'll 
that'll eat you. It's the same monster that we need to keep happy for our harvests and things like that. It's, yeah. It's, it's the river spirit. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and yes, so a, a cool thing of like their like silver bullet heart through the chest like way to defeat them if they're ever causing you any problems is they have like a bowl shaped sort of divot in the top of their head um that has to have water in it um and if they lose that water uh, depending on the story they either lose their supernatural strength or they are rendered completely immobile so the way you deal with a kappa is you bow to them and then they bow back to you, tipping their heads down, spilling out all the water, and now they can't move. <laughs> Stupid cappers. But it's it's an interesting thing of, like, if you respect the river spirit, it can't hurt you. If you treat it like it is deadly and, and deserves mm, to be respected, yeah. that, yeah, it, it treats you right as well. Uh, or at least it can't hurt you. And then there's... Yeah. There's some fun stories about humans who get like wishes granted for them because they came along and put water in the Kappa's bowl and, and gave it back its movement. Oh yeah, and saved them. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you know, if you take care of of nature, nature takes care of you. Ah, so there's a few little lessons in that in name that yeah. story. Yeah. So I and I I really like it. Like they're just they're cool looking things as well. Like they're sort of humanoid with turtle shells and webbed fingers like they're sort of like um <clears throat> yeah like fishmen style things but they're more turtly i don't know <laughs> they 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 look kind of cute and fun if you if you search for them uh their hybrid babies on the other hand are horrifying <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know what yeah. that's meant to represent <laughs> i mean i think it's just a an explanation for women who have had like deformed babies oh yeah it's just uh oh this was this wasn't um this wasn't our family's fault this wasn't our um our patriarch's fault it's not his cursed sperm or anything it's she was raped by a kappa have pity on us don't think that we're gross and weird for having ugly children yeah 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 at least that's my best guess i don't know for sure (laughs) Hey, that makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I, it's uh, the wrestling matches for fun, I assume, is like this is when like adults fall into the water <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and, and they, they're big enough to sort of get out and, and stuff and they're like, ah, oh, you know, River Spirit wanted to challenge me, but I showed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't trip and fall in. <laughs> I totally wasn't drunk <laughs> walking home past the river. That's that's more like ah, river it's got me. Mum, why is why is Dad uh, wet and tired and, <laughs> and out of it when he gets home at night? I oh, was wrestling with the river spirit again. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So uh, that's that's the capper. So next time you're gonna cross a river, bring a cucumber. Yeah, just for safety. I mean, there's just worse things that could happen. <laughs> you, could, you don't. You you could you could have a turtle man peeking up your skirt. <laughs> if you if you then you got to wrestle him. <laughs> what happens if you lose the fight? I well, I assume you drown. Oh. 
I don't know. Oh, that's I, not fun. Because, like, they... Yeah, they talk about them like they're just sort of mischievous, sort of fun-loving trickster things, but then also it's like, yeah, but they're dangerous. So I, I think it's just, yeah, meant to be like small children stay away. Um, you know, these, these wrestling matches are they'll drag you into the water and drown you. But when you're an adult, it's more like, no, y- you, you have a chance. Yeah, like you can, you can get out of the river that's just smashing you against the rocks. <laughs> but don't they? They have like extra strength. They're not. They're more yeah. stronger than human. Yeah, well, at least that's how. That's sort of how they're described. Is that yeah? You don't really want to um, go and take them on. But I guess it's like a show of strength of like I, I out wrestled the river spirit in in the water. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I don't know, but um, a brag. Yeah, and it does it does vary by story, and region, and like it's it's not entirely clear whether or not they are superhumanly strong because I think they're superhumanly strong for their size because they're only meant to be little things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Little arms and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're yeah they're they're pretty small, um, but yeah. So I I don't know exactly how strong they're meant to be. But yeah, sometimes if if they tip the water out of their bowl, they sort of get scared, run back into the river to refill it because now they can't fight you. And sometimes yeah. they're like frozen there and they've been stuck there for centuries until one kindly person pours water into their bowl and then they grant a wish for them. Oh, shit. That'd yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as much as it would suck to be a, a, a swan with a creepy human voice for 900 years. Ah, yes, yeah, so let's... How does that end? Carry on. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you that just yet. Uh, All right. So the kids are swans. They're on the lake. mm. It's not not great, eh? Uh, (laughs) Ophi, she runs off, jumps in the carriage and bails off and keeps going to to Bob's. Uh, But old Bob's like, oh, you're here. Where's the the kids? What's going on? She panics and is like, oh, nah, Lur doesn't trust you with them. Bloody, he, you, yeah, he doesn't like you anymore. He doesn't trust Ooh. you. Bob's like, really? <laughs> Something ain't right here. And he sends messages off to, to Lur to get to the bottom of it. When the messengers arrive, Lur realises that something awful has happened and that Lur's done, not Lur, Aofi's done something awful. And he he and all, anyone else he had can get his, anyone that'll listen to him, they go off and they start looking for the kids. Uh, and then eventually they, they find them at the lakes and they it's it's just no, it's not good. It's very sad. Mm. Um Yeah, he finds that he finds the kids singing with their human voices. Um and they tell him everything that happened and what Aofi did and so Lur goes and tells Bob and Bob gets real mad and he's like, Alright, Aofi, what's the most horrible form you could imagine? She's like, Ah, oh, some sort of demon thing and he pulls out a wand, smacks her on the head, bonks her on the head. And she turns into that, and he's like, "Guess what? You're fucked. This is you, you, you're a <laughs> shitty is... demon spirit for the rest of your life, and you'll be blown about on the winds with no control of where you are." And then a big storm comes up and just blows her away. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So Bob and Lur and lots of other people um, go and stay by the lake and listen to the sons, swans singing, and they go and come back, and you know the the swans, they're like the kids are like, "Well." 
this sucks, but our singing is slightly magical and we'll sing happy songs to make you not be sad anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's pretty, pretty all right for a while. Uh, but after 300 years, it's time for them to leave. And as it's time for them to leave, it's, it's declared in the kingdom that no swan is ever to be killed in these lands ever again. It's outlawed okay. entirely. So that no one can accidentally kill the swans. Ah. Yeah. So the kids, they set off for, they go north to the uh, cold, cold Sea of Moyle. Whereas they're getting there, um, a, a big storm separates them all. And they get, you know, bashed and knocked amongst the rocks and they can barely fly around and it's freezing cold and the storm and lightning and rain and they're just having a really miserable time Mm -hmm. and you know they're freezing to the bone or their feathers aren't doing enough eventually they do find each other but they spend winter after winter after winter in this awful desolate place but one day they're swimming near the mouth of a river um, trying to get away from the cold. And they run into some men from Bob's and Lur's kingdom. Um, the men obviously know about the children. Um, and they're like, oh, look, it's the children of Lur. And they, you know, tell them what's going on. And they tell them that both Bob and Lur, while they're sad that the children are gone, they're otherwise pretty happy and content. And they, you know, that, that cheers the kids up a little bit. But then father and grandfather aren't depressed. Uh, and they keep hanging around this river mouth because it's not so bad. And then the 300 years are up, and as they're about to leave, Fiona goes, all right, we're going to bloody stop by Dad's on the way to our final destination. Say, say g'day, check in, because I miss me Dad. Right. So they, this is 600 years later. That, this is 600 uh, years later. Since the start of yeah. the story. Okay, yeah. and Dad's still uh, They're human. not, sorry, they're not humans. They're tour, tour do, 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 do They're Right. Like, slightly magical they're like how the um, the jews used to live for like a jillion years right okay so it's like the sort of children of the forest style the the natives yeah. that, that lived before the the invaders were magical and yeah cool yeah but they basically still look like humans and stuff yeah okay yeah uh yeah so they fly to their old home but there's nothing there there's no there's no buildings no walls no nothing and they're just real sad and distraught and they sing a real sad song and they keep going up to the Atlantic which is not not as bad as the Sea of Moyle it's a bit warmer and there's lots of little bays they can go and hide in to get out of storms and the wind and stuff that's a bit better one of these bays has a little island in the centre of it and when the children would visit they'd, they'd sit on the island and sing their songs and birds from all around would come and sit in the trees and listen to the music and so this island this place became known as the Lake of Birds. And it's yes. around this time that St. Patrick and Christianity arrived in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, sort of the tales of the old gods and stuff all disappeared and are forgotten. And one day, a holy man comes to the lake, having heard the story of the singing birds and the children of Lur. And he's by his reckoning, he thinks that the 900 years is getting to be nearly up. And he wants to help the, help the kids once that happens. And so he builds a church on the island and he prays every day and every morning he rings a little a big bronze bell and does his chanting and his praying and one day the children come back to the lake and in the morning they're woken by the sound of the bell and they're like the the twins are like what the hell is that that's that's scary as and fiona <laughs> goes no 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 this is this is amazing that that bell is that's that's what's going to free us the curses the curses are going to be over you know so they go to the edge of the lake and they start they can hear him 
chanting and praying and they start to sing along. As soon as he hears that, he's like, bang, straight out the door. And he's like, it's you guys. Oh, look, I'm, I'm here to be your friend. I've heard the story, stories of you. And, you know, I know your curse is going to be going to be nearly over. And he explains all that. And eventually, you know, he says that he's there to be their friend and to help them. And they eventually do trust him and befriend him. And he fashions them a silver chain to tie around their necks so that they can never be separated again. Um, and yeah, so they stay at the lake and they're pretty happy and they sing all the time with hope in their voices once again. And yeah, it's pretty, they're at peace by this lake. Uh, now, while they're staying at the lake, a new king has come into power, or a whole new order. And he was set to marry um, the daughter of another king from the south. And once this lady comes up and marries him, she hears the tale of the singing swans and that. And she demands of her new husband to bring them to her to sing in her court so that she can hear them and rejoice in this magical singing. Um, but the king, you know, he's from this area. He knows the priest and he's like, he's never going to let them. Like, mm. this, that's not going to happen. Just pick something else. And she's like, no, no. Chucks a big hissy fit and demands that he bring them or she's going to leave, leave him in disgrace. And he's like, all right, fine. So he sends some messengers to the priest to bring the kids back. And the priest's like, no. What did you think was going to happen? No way. Mm. Uh, for some reason, knowing that this was going to be the outcome, the king gets really pissed off. Anyway, that someone, you know, how dare this m- bloody little priest refuse my demands? I'm the king. So he storms down there to grab the children himself. But the priest, he sees him coming and he hides the kids in the church and refuses. He says, no, I'm protecting them. You won't, bloody, you won't have them. It's not how this is going to happen. And I'm just going to read the last little bit out of the book yep. so that you get the full horror of what's going to happen. Ooh, okay. So the king, he storms into the church and he seizes the chain that links the swans to one another and drags the frightened creatures out of the church. The terrified swans struggle with all their strength, frantically beating the air with their wings, but the king pulls them away from the door and towards the water. But he's only taken a few steps before all the commotion stops. And he turns around quickly to see what's happened. And as he looks, the feathers and the plumage of the swans all fall away to the ground and chained together in their place are four old, frail, helpless people, one old Mm. woman and three men. Filled with horror at what he's seen, the king rushes back to his boat and flees back to the palace with the, the priest's angry words ringing in his ears. And as the priest goes to the side of the four frightened old, helpless people... Fiona, who knows that she's about to die, asks that her and her brothers be baptised, uh, which he, he does baptise them, and she says, We are dying, my friend, my kind friend. We are as sad to leave you as you are to see us go. Bury us here, where we found peace. When we were swans, I sheltered my brothers under my wings, with Con the fruiterer at my right side, <laughs> Fikara at my left, and Aod at my breast. So let us lie like this in the grave. And then the children of Leah died peacefully with the priest by their side and were buried as Fiona had requested. And over the grave, the priest raised a stone on it and in it he carved their names. And that is the story of the children of Leah. Okay. It's fucking horrifying. (laughs) It is so depressing. I mean... I, I thought it was relatively happy in the end. Like, in the sense that, like, um, 
it's it's sad that they never got to live a proper life, but they found a place that was peaceful. Yeah, as swans <laughs> singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which which is horrifying in its own right. But they had nine hundred years, you know, yeah, the better part of nine hundred years to get used to it. Yeah, they hadn't spent three hundred. They had an absolute misery, though. True, true. That was, that was a little bit messed up. I was half expecting the chains to choke them, and kill them. Yeah. But it, uh, of course, like, in a historical sense, with the um, like the the priest being a part of the story that was almost definitely tacked on later after Christianity came to the region. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that couldn't have resulted in any harm. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, like, I, I think it's sort of, like, it's like a, yeah, you can, you can weather anything if you've got the right support network. If you're, if you're part of a good family and you have people around you who care about you, then, yeah, you'll, you, you'll be, um, yeah, you'll be respected. You'll be, you'll be protected from, from even the harshest winters. Look at you finding the the moral, <laughs> nice lesson in the story, Cal. Good yeah. work. I, at least I, I th- that's sort of what I I think it was trying to do, and and that like, you can recover from horrible shit that happened to you when you were a kid, even if that permanently changes you as a person. You'll you can be peaceful in the end. Well, you are just knocking these out <laughs> of the park, aren't you? I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring something. To- to, yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. So, moving on, what's your last... Yes. Uh, last thing, Cal? Cool. Is well, it a so... big evil swan? <laughs> I mean, no. Um, it's a little bit more insidious than that. We've sort of touched on the concept of the cuckoo already. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so this... Uh, this is um, the changeling, uh, where uh, a, a fey creature disguise. Most of the time, it's a fey creature disguising their baby as a human baby and swapping out the children, so that they they give their child a better human life. Um, but sometimes it's more of a where they're just taking the human child for sacrifice. Um, sometimes it's, um, it's just that like they are old and want to retire. So they sneak in and like, (laughs) and exchange places with the baby, disguise themselves as a baby so they can be like waited on and, and (laughs) have nice yummy breast milk and (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So it's like this sort of, yes, switcheroo situation. Um, do they otherwise look human? Yeah. Yeah. Like they well, so that 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 does come up. So there's, um, like, so basically, the superstition around whether or not you can trust that your baby's been swapped, um, sort of led people to like start trying to f- figure out ways to test it, and you know they're like they're they're leaving iron around the baby and wearing iron jewelry and stuff like that to try and keep away the fairies because they don't like iron um and they're doing things like oh if your kids are left-handed 
or if they're not growing because they're secretly old fairies who don't who are just trying to be <laughs> suckled their whole life like that for the rest of their life they don't want to grow up so they stay as babies um or, or if the kids are particularly ugly or they have yeah if there's any sort of what we would call deformities now or like mental illness or developmental issues now they'd be like cool this baby's been been taken by the by the fairies and swapped this this is a changeling so we need to do something about it we need to have it exercised we need to um yeah we need to get our baby back and so jesus yeah so to prove like to to show the fairies that this child that this um, that their fairy child isn't going to have a normal human upbringing because they're onto them. Um, like stories tell you to like put your baby on hot coals and then leave oh, it Jesus. and then leave it overnight under the arch of a church, and then and then then the fairies will switch the children back. Wait, wait, you got to leave it on hot coals under the arch? No, like you like burn it, <laughs> you like put it in a fire and like hurt it a lot, and then leave it out like that's not my baby give me back my real one jesus um there's a story where um a woman walks past two elves in blue petticoats um and and all of a sudden her her twins stop growing stop um stop cooing stop making noises and she has big fights with her husband about whether or not it's really their kids um Eventually, she seeks out the wisdom of a of an old man who says um, to make a hearty stew in in an eggshell. <laughs> so she does. Sometimes it's a mixed drink, something complicated anyway, but in this tiny eggshell. Um, yeah. And then the the babies start laughing and going, "I'm as old as the oak trees, and I've never seen anything so ridiculous as to make a hearty stew in an eggshell." Oh, whoops! <laughs> I've revealed myself as a changeling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so then the mum grabs him by the head and yeets him into the river and <laughs> and and goes cool like give me back my my real babies you you bastards you you filthy fey creature pricks um yeah so like that that's that's a pretty common story like uh and yeah it varies across the different regions of the british isles um and like, so I don't know whether this was a sort of cautionary tale of like, just keep a close watch on your babies, um, because something might happen that messes them up, that that stops them from growing properly or stops them from like something could get them sick, something could you know like the the fairies could mess with your baby, yeah, um, or whether it was just a uh, um, an explanation for uh, physical and mental deformities that yeah that you know happens all the time um and and just an excuse for sort of post-birth abortions essentially just to be able to go no i don't want to raise this um this kid who might be a detriment to my family or to society as a whole like let's just turf it instead (laughs) um which is horrible in its own right but yeah i think what fits best is a complete misunderstanding of postpartum depression. And... Oh, yeah. Like, this idea of, like, motherhood is supposed to be magical and, like, you're supposed to, like, look into your child's eyes and feel like you're fulfilled. Like, that's that's the point of your life is to keep this thing safe. And when you don't have that, it's like, what 
is responsible for this? Why am I not having this important feeling that I'm told by everybody all the time that I should have? Um, and then you blame yeah. it on the fairies and go, well, stuff the fairies. I'm gonna I'm gonna do horrible things to this kid because it's not my kid. And I, it, if it was my kid, I'd feel magically attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because like that that's, sort of stuff. That's terrifying. It is, and that happens all around the world, like today, like plenty of plenty of new mothers in particular, but parents as a as a whole don't get that connection with their kids that they feel ridiculous amounts of guilt for it and end up hurting themselves and the kids. They usually end up just driving the kids off a cliff with them in the car. Like, Jesus. like they yeah. just, yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty sort of horrible thing that doesn't have a great deal of explanation now. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I imagine it was even harder to, to separate from the sort of pre-Christianity phase superstition era of, um, yeah, of European, particularly British life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just trying to find it. Yeah. Where it's sort of like just these myths fill the gaps in mm. shifting the blame mm. for all these awful things that happen to us. Mm. Yeah. And things and that were, you're sort of beyond our control. Yeah. Um, and like, cause there was plenty of like, um, you have to take it to a church. You, you, um, you get a holy man to perform an exorcism, which usually involves like, just, just like essentially waterboarding the baby with holy water and, and putting it on fire and like just Fucking doing hell. horrible things to this baby. But it was essentially a, a late, it was essentially a post birth abortion. It was get rid of this, this child who's not right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So sorry to end on such a downer. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> a massive downer there. Uh, yeah, Jesus. I was. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. I should have ended with the creepy cappers. <laughs> yeah, at least they're a little, little happy. You know, you walk around with a bag of cucumbers. <laughs> Just throwing cucumbers in rivers, hoping for the best. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but so um, I, I, I do love how a lot of these old stories, even more modern, and by more modern I mean sort of like what we would call now like old horror stories, um, are, are often, to me at least, a misinterpretation of, of a mental health disorder. Yeah, at least once you take it back to what the, the sort of the source was, because sort of Hollywood and, and mm. that just boil them all down to it's a monster it just wants to eat babies or mm. take their place you shoot it with rock salt or, or it you, becomes... you do you do x and y to get rid of it and it's usually very violent and i find that like more modern sort of monster creations are more abstract they're not as much of a like um this is what you should and shouldn't do sort of story they're more of a like uh, this is the the xenomorph from alien um, it is just that sex is kind of scary, yeah? The concept... Of, well, the concept of getting pregnant and, like, getting something that's from oh, that's not from your yeah. body put in you and it's going to burst out of you, <laughs> you know? Like, and, and you're just the host to this thing. It's just feeding on you. 
Yeah. I feel like a lot of these new ones are also just how horrific and scary can we be? Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, it's not about anything in particular. It's just scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is sort of why these older stories are, are a little bit more interesting in that even after they've been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, we've still got an idea of what that might be. Yeah, still, yeah, of what caused these stories to come about in the first place. Yeah. Now yeah. I want to find some more and work out where they came from. Mm. Well, make you work out where they came from, because <laughs> you're the psych boy. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the your other... job. Well, because like, even like simple things like the kappa just being like, don't play near the river, you idiot. You'll fall in and drown. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. simple things are like, super interesting to see how much they've been anthropomorphized and then de-anthropomorphized like to be able to say oh the changeling isn't isn't human so it's okay to do these horrible things to it um but also like the kappa is like taking something as abstract as a river and and going this is the the human-like body that it that represents it and and taking things like drowning in a rapid current and referring to that as like wrestling and like playing like, yeah, there's some interesting ways that people make it more relatable, particularly to kids. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, you've also got the, la- the, the other layer of having respect for, you know, nature and all the people around you, regardless of what they look like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll get more... You'll get further if you, you know, show respect and you, you show the proper respect and etiquette to, to everyone that you encounter. Yeah. You never know, they might be a bloody <laughs> kappa. Yeah. And they'll bloody hit you over there with a cucumber and eat you. And, like, the 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 whole, um, like, Japanese idea of, like, everything has a spirit. There's spirits in all of the things around you, including all your, like, belongings. And how, like, you should treat your belongings as if they want to be used for their purpose. It makes that their spirit happy. And if you're not using them, you should hand them on to people who do who who could use them so like yeah it it gives you this idea of like you should take care of the things around you because they're alive <gasps> it's a toy story yeah essentially and and that if you're not playing with your toys anymore you should hand them off to someone who will play with them because otherwise that spirit is sad mm. but i mean at my work shares the building with like an op shop and they yep. have a skip out the back that they fill up every day. Oh, and man. the most depressing thing in my, that I've ever seen in my entire life is watching giant stuffed animals and yep. all sorts of plushies get thrown in the bin. Just hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy bears. And Oh man, that's depressing. Mm. Cause like these things were mass produced to make someone happy. And yeah, there's so much, joy and love that was probably and stories attached to this thing which is now just being which now isn't even good enough to give to someone else it's just being thrown in the bin well yeah because it's like if it was somebody else's then it's not it's not yours it's like it's spoiled it's already filled with oh oh, sorry no what's the worst part is someone's gone i'm not gonna throw this out i'm gonna give it to you know the op shop so that someone else can enjoy it yeah and 
these stores only have so much capacity to store things and so then they keep the stuff they can actually well, people will actually want to buy yeah and so they throw out so much stuff mm. and some of the time it's it's toys that someone wanted to give to a better home mm. yeah and it's like <laughs> it's interesting that like yeah that whole philosophy is like the same the same thing that makes the kappa something that's interesting is something that makes us like sad about like a post scarcity sort of world that we live in like it's it's something that like back back in the days that the original kappa myths would have been put out the idea of like a toy being something completely disposable would have been ridiculous that it was so hard to make and it was made purely to make someone happy like yeah you would would never get rid of it yeah whereas now the point of them is money yeah and it's like there's not necessarily any problem with that it's just that it's so easy to make and easy to just throw away that nothing's valuable anymore like yeah. nothing means anything which is like good in the sense that like if you want to make a kid really happy five bucks and you can get it from a supermarket like it's just not a big deal you can make someone really happy really easily but also <laughs> that like that that thing as a as an object has no economical value like that now that that kid has hugged it once it's worth nothing to anybody else <laughs> mm-hmm. and it probably has less of a soul mm. <sighs> so we should probably end it before we keep getting <laughs> sadder and sadder and more depressed about the harsh realities of the world yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, what until do, next time yeah what what, what okay. stories do you like and t- yeah. tweet us and stuff i don't know <laughs> How many cucumbers do you think it's safe to keep on you at any given time? <laughs> How many cucumbers is a reasonable amount to take swimming with you? <laughs> Six? Twelve? Eight kilos? Are you just pleased to see me or are you trying to attract the cappers? <laughs> oh, God. That's enough. That's how we end. Dick jokes. Dick jokes.